because uh, again, I'm not really like it takes a lot to get me to actually like cry cry. Um, yeah. Although in my old age, it's kind of changing. Like now, like a commercial can just like break me. That's I'm um, the same. I think that's a thing. Like, yeah, you, you soften up. Um, but I uh, watching. Oh God, Allstate! Don't do this to me. <laughs> Welcome to the very first episode of Fear.Pod, where we discuss topics related to the 2002 cybernatural thriller, Fear.com. I'm ready to get into it. I have my conspiracy theories all <laughs> laid out. Uh, for people who are curious what's going on, it's a bit uh, <laughs> by our dumb host, uh, Cassidy Robinson, recording from an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains. Yes, and you are Keith Foster, the usual co-host, back on the show again. Uh, also, you know, let's introduce the show proper. This is uh, the MacGuffin podcast, the podcast that the movie podcast that dreams are made of. Yes, uh, that was that was a dog's breakfast, and it didn't have to be. It it was. Uh, you know what? <laughs> if people are tuning into this for our quality introductions, yeah, they unsubscribed a long time ago. I'm sure. On this episode, we will be talking about uh, VHS 1994. We're going back to 1994. Last week, me and the guest reviewed Fear Street 1994. Everyone's obsessed with 1994. It's the new 80s. Yeah, I know. Um, so and people treat it exactly the same. Right. So we'll be talking about uh, VHS 1994, which is the, the latest in that series of anthology films. It's on Shudder right now. And the streaming homework, which you assigned, is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is also on Shudder. Mm -hmm. So last week, you were out of town. You were in New York cat-sitting. Mm -hmm. And uh, yep. you went to New York Comic Con? Uh, yeah, I did. That Yes, that happened. Yes. And um, we had a guest here on the show, uh, Julia Marchesi. We had a great episode. I don't know if you were able to check that out, but it was a lot of fun. She brought a ton of content, a ton of discussion. And so if anybody has not listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about... What what did you do at Comic Con? Was it this is your first con since mm -hmm. uh, yeah, since the pandemic, the, right? Well, this is the first like big con since since the pandemic. Um, but but even that, like you could, they definitely still had like reduced capacity, um, and you could feel that. But it was great as far as that goes. Like you could walk around the convention floor and not be bumping mm -hmm. into people. I mean, there are some things you can't really do. Like, you can't really do social distancing in line no. for certain stuff. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I felt pretty comfortable. Uh, it was a mask mask mandates. Um, yeah. Although, you know, not everybody followed that. And they probably could have enforced it a little bit better. But for the most part... Um, I mean, you already have kind of like a built-in mask excuse, right? 
Well, like, I'm, I mean, we have Halloween coming up, but also so uh, conventions. They actually, there in, are in, a plethora of mask options. You can, you know, I, that's, I thought what you were, I, that's what I was saying. That's what I, you know, everybody, every motherfucker is going to be dressed like Spider-Man. Right. Um, now, however, in or Sub-Zero. Rules, yeah. Uh, in the rules, though. For, like, you know, because I read the guidelines and stuff uh, mm-hmm. ahead of time. Um, they actually said, you know, like, no cosplay masks. Like, you can't, that can't be your mask. Oh. And so I was a little concerned about that because, um, so we went as uh, Casey Jones and uh, my wife was April O'Neil. Yes. Um, but Casey Jones wears, you know, the hockey mask. And, sure. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to wear a mask under that yeah. um, to cover my nose and mouth and stuff. But I'm afraid they're going to give me grief. Nobody gave a fuck. Nobody gave a fuck. Right. That is one thing is like they set rules, but then like nobody was enforcing them, which I'm used to San Diego Comic Con where they're like, if you sit down for 10 seconds, they're just like, no, you can't, you know what I mean? Like they're on you. Yeah. Um, here they're, I, and maybe it was because of reduced capacity. Maybe it's because reduced staffing. I don't know, but they, they definitely did not enforce stuff as much as I thought they might. But not in, not to the point of complete chaos. No, no. I mean, it was kind of, you know, everybody could kind of just like use your own discretion and do your own thing. Yeah. And, and like I said, for the most part, uh, most people seem pretty good about it. Uh, they weren't doing you know, like doorknob licking contests or anything like that. Uh, well, I mean, so that was a, a raffled panel. So, you you know, <laughs> you had to like, that was a luck thing. Right. Actually, in the real world, how did they handle Q&As with sharing mic and all of that? Okay, so that's what we're getting to. As far as like the convention floor, all of that stuff was great. All the, you know, uh, they don't have as many off-site things. Um, right. Or like pop-ups, because uh, technically it's all on-site there, the way their convention center set up. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that stuff was great. Uh, all the, the benders panels, and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The panels that we tried to go to were all virtual panels. So all of the celebrities and stuff just zoomed in and they were like pre-recorded. So huh. yeah, I mean, so I don't, I don't blame of, them, but yeah, I don't either, but that was kind of a bummer. So we actually didn't go to most of the panels we were thinking of going to. Surprisingly, and, the only celebrity that showed up was, uh, Kevin Sorbo for a uh, Hercules panel. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was a joke, right? Yes, you were there. I wasn't. <laughs> okay. I mean, it would not have surprised me. Uh, so <laughs> we plan to go, like, we plan to go to all these panels. The ones we went to were just, like I said, virtual things. And it was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is good to get, you know, sit down for a minute, but it's, it's not the same. Like that's not that's not the con experience. Right. Well, it's not um, worth sitting in line for hours and exactly and just as watch people on a Zoom call. But the one panel that we were thinking of going to was at the end of Friday night. We were only there for Thursday and Friday, mm. and there was a Ghostbusters Afterlife panel, and 
you know, we were planning on going to it. Then we went to these other panels. Uh, uh, it was like the Sandman Audible panel and the uh, Wheel of Time panel. They were all virtual. It seemed like everything was virtual. So we were just like, eh, it's late. We're going to be, t- we're already tired, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's just get out of here. I don't need to sit. We'll watch it on YouTube later, right? Right. Turns out that was one of the only in-person panels they did. And then they screened the fucking movie. <laughs> Which, the Ghostbusters? Yeah, the new Ghostbusters. They screened the actual fucking movie. Like, I could have watched it a month <laughs> early. That's but funny. We, all the other panels were kind of a bust. And so we were, and again, we were fucking exhausted. And we were just like, let's just go home. You know, it's still a walk to the subway and then a 20-minute subway. Like, right, right, let's right. just peace out. Uh, but I'm so, I'm so mad. It looked like it, an incredible panel. They actually had celebrities in real life, and then they showed the fucking movie. Uh-huh. That happens. <sighs> anyway, overall, it was fun. It was a very chill con experience compared yeah. to what I'm used to. But It's probably that- on par as far as, like, uh, maybe even less. I don't know. Um, but probably on par to something closer to WonderCon or LA Comic Con. Yeah, it was, it felt kind of like that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it was Which is what I prefer. Than... I don't need shoulder to shoulder cattle call everywhere you go. I I don't, I'm too old for that. I, that's not fun. San Diego, it can be pretty overwhelming, which I mean, who knows? In the new world, maybe not. But yeah. Um, yeah. So overall, it was fun, but it was, I, I would say, you know, kind of uneventful. It was just, you know. Yeah. But it was it was cool. It, I'm glad you know. We, I'm sure it was just fun to do something and kind of get that experience again. Exactly, and yeah. there you know there was a ton of cool stuff to go see and buy and and yeah, right. it just felt very like normal and to me that's what cons are. It's just like very specific to my interests. Malls. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what how I is- how I treat a con like the panels and stuff. You know, they're cool. I usually don't go to the biggest ones because I don't, I rarely care enough to go through the hassle. But, um, you know, sometimes there's some like industry-ish ones like how to publish a zine or whatever the fuck. Um, record those kind of things are fun. for your podcast. Yeah. Not the way we do it. Let's, let's go ahead and get into the pre-review topic. I wanted to, I came up with this idea of there's all sorts of genres, there's all sorts of story types, things rise and fall in popularity over time. Um, you know, generally type, different types of horror films, whether it be slasher, supernatural, or whatever it is, are cyclical. Mm-hmm. But what are some ideas or things you've wanted to see in a horror film that you haven't seen, or ha- at the very least have not seen done well and we're just going to come up with a couple ideas. Uh, did you have one? Yeah. Uh, so the the first one I would like to see, uh, at least I would like to see more of. You know, it, every every movie studio was looking for the next horror franchise. Uh, you know, they're looking for the next Saw. They're looking for the next Conjuring verse, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually like to see them make more horror movies that are based off of comic books 
and treat them like horror movies and not superhero movies. Okay. So there's a lot of horror comics. I mean, horror comics, you know, I they predate superheroes. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a long tradition of horror comics, um, and but for some reason they are not mind nearly as often as superheroes and Mm -hmm. usually when they do they treat them like superheroes i'm looking at you fucking keanu reeves constantine um fair enough which yeah is a fine enough i I mean i've actually revisited that movie and it's a lot more fun than i sort of let myself have the first time i watch it um but it's you know it's not a constantine movie it's right it's, it's nothing like hellblazer the comic book Exactly. So I would like to see them take comic book inspiration and and play it for horror instead of superhero. You know, like I I I can't I think the closest we've ever really gotten to that is the first Blade movie. Um, You know, even even after that, the second Blade and the, uh, you know, has some horror stuff, but it's pretty superhero yeah you know what i mean the, the, the first one is too to a certain extent i mean there's there's a lot of uh kung fu stuff yes i mean absolutely. action there's a lot of action, action horror but um but i i would say 30 days of night was a good oh yeah 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 that yeah. was a good Ooh. attempt at like a you know taking the source of material and you know treating it with the correct tone yes that's exactly what i'm looking for yeah uh, i think uh honestly the, uh, there's this new comic right now called Something is Killing the Children. And okay. it, it is really good. Uh, I've only read the first volume, but I immediately bought volumes two and three because I liked it so much. And it would make an insane movie. It would be so... And, and here's the thing. Not very often do I find comic books scary. Mm-hmm. This one I was like, oh, fuck. This is like really... Creepy. Creepy, yeah. yeah. Like it this like Hollywood, make this a movie now. Um so yeah, I would just like to see, you know, there's so much other comic book stuff besides superheroes. Let's take something that's a comic book and and treat it like the genre it is. I think we, is- we're seeing that more in television than we are in film i mean there's that there was the lock and key show there's Mm -hmm. the nosferatu show um uh well okay so nosferatu was a book not a comic okay but it was the same right it was uh joe hill right yeah Yeah. and lock and key uh i mixed results not i was not into the the netflix show to me they kind of kiddied it up a little too much sure they, they made it feel a little too much like harry potter but not yeah. in a good way i i wasn't into the well didn't the brian fuller the guy who did the hannibal show didn't he do the um the american gods again that's a wordy yeah, not a comic a, that's book. A book book yeah um but he did that uh and i'm hoping that when the sandman oh yeah uh comes out that that leans in a darker direction and that they don't try and comic book it up too much same yeah yeah uh like really lean into that kind of ethereal dark fantasy stuff i mean uh sandman was a horror comic you know it it, yeah i mean it it was a lot of things it's kind of 
genre mashup, but it became a, a, a bit more dark, dark fantasy. But when it started, I think, you know, it was probably sold as a horror comic because it, yeah. it, it, it was in the same, you know, universe as like mm-hmm. uh, Constantine and Swamp Thing, both of which were like Vertigo's big horror comics at the time. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, it, and it also has some of the straight up most disturbing horror I've ever like. Oh, for sure. Read. When they want, when it wanted to, it could go for it. Um, it, oh, yeah. it wasn't and, the, I mean, the necessary point of the whole thing, but there were some really disturbing single issues in that. Oh my God. I was listening to the audiobook, mm-hmm. uh, which is fucking fantastic, by the way. Highly recommend, uh, the audiobook. If the Netflix adaptation isn't good, this will definitely scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it got to the twenty-four hour diner chapter. Right. That's and, I, I think probably that goes down as fuck. one of the most disturbing single issues of a comic book ever written. Yeah, and it is yeah just as bad to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I think we've made stride, like, we're, we're getting there, it's just take, again, it's gonna take the right movie, the right time, you know, if they'd really, like, struck while the iron was hot with, uh, 30 Days of Night, um, but the thing is, in the industry, I think everyone just saw, like, oh, a successful vampire movie, cool, let's keep making vampire movies, not, oh my god, there's this treasure trove of horror comics we could be making movies out of. Exactly. It yeah. was kind of it. Everybody just sort of saw it as the answer to Twilight, and not like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, look at all this." Yeah, exactly. All right, my first one is period western. Insert other horror trope, whatever it may be, whether it be vampires, slashers, zombies, what have you. I think we've seen. Like vampire western, kind of in something like Near Dark, you know, we've seen it a lot of it, like kind of toyed around. You could say No Country for Old Men is kind of like a slasher film western, but kind of not. Um, and uh, and I think those are all great movies. Um, but I, I rather than just evoking the West or or a western, I mean, go full blown. 1800s, early 1900s, period Western, and then, you know, make a, make a fucking werewolf movie or something like that. Have um, you seen, um, have you seen Bone Tomahawk? No, I hear good things. Uh, I want to see it so bad, but it's never been like, I've been just waiting for it to drop on a, on a service, one of the mini streaming services. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been keeping um, my eyes out for that. Um, I might just rent it someday because yes. uh, I, I think that's kind of what you're asking for. I think so, too. I've heard some people say that it kind of leans horror, and then I've heard other people say it's just super violent. But, yeah, I um, but I, I mean, I think even like a kind of played out genre like zombies, you could have a lot of fun with it in the Old West. Um, yeah. You're going to up the stakes of everything because you're taking away more and more um, modern day conveniences. Well, uh, this is this is funny because this is a, a more specific version of something I was thinking of, and that was just like more specifically not 80s or 90s, but more period horror, like outside of the 19th century or 20th century. I mean, 
Um, yeah. I, I wasn't specifically thinking Western. I was thinking like, uh, or, you know, even like the the early 20s or whatever, like just pick a fucking time period. Yeah, um, I would say outside of uh, contemporary times or, yes, you know, yes. and I, I'll say contemporary is anything 60s on. Yeah, exa- well, because that's, that's kind of where all of the period pieces play is the 60s through, you know, the 90s. And I- right, at this point. But, I mean, outside of that, you know, there's still, a, there's still a fair amount of, like, gothic horror, Victorian, Edwardian stuff. That's true. Um, and we did get, uh, you know, the, the Vivich, the witch. Uh, right, and, and that was one of the things that made that movie so cool. Was the, yeah. it was the fact that it was really going hard for the t- to get the period stuff accurate. I think that's one of the reasons I uh, I was really gravitated to the lighthouse as well. Mm-hmm. Like it it uh, yeah, and and I just I agree. Let's uh, it kind of it kind it creates kind of more of a mythical feel. Um, you can say more, I think, in uh, less on the nose um, social commentary. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that it, it create, it could create for more exciting storytelling. Um, if you, if you change the location, but really, and the time period, but also really, uh, commit to it. And now I'm sure there's probably like a bunch of direct to DVD schlock that has done something like what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like the mummy versus, uh, Butch Cassidy or something. I don't know. Like, that probably exists, but I'm talking about, like, really going for it and and uh, reinvigorating some of these tired um, uh, horror traditions uh, in a new setting. Yeah. Okay. So, so your other one, then, was just more period horror? Uh, that, was, that was one I was thinking of. Um, one thing I would like to see come back that I think it's time to cycle back around to. Uh-huh. Um, and I definitely felt this when we watched uh, Malignant. Okay. Um, is I would like to see a return to like the supernatural slasher. Um, okay. I think that's something that's kind of died out. It, you know, it was big in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um after all the slasher movies happened, you know, and then they had to kind of like up the stakes and make, make them a little more high concept, a little more high premise, like Chucky, you know, he's not just a serial killer. He's a serial killer possesses a doll, uh, you know, Hellraiser, uh, that kind of like, again, a soup, you know, supernatural slashers. Um, I, I would like to see us, give that a shot again without relying on the franchises of old. So no new Freddy's, no new Jason's like, let's come up with the next one. Uh, I I think the closest we've gotten to that uh, is, you know, saw, but you could argue that supernatural. I I think, I mean, I come up with excuses for why he comes back, but I don't know if that's supernatural. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying is like it's I want us to just like let's lean into that from the get go. Mm -hmm. Let's you know, let's let's plan a fucking trilogy around 
a Michael Myers pure evil, knowing that he is pure evil from the get-go. You know what I mean? Yeah. He started as just a killer, Uh and then it gets more and more convoluted. I think it would be cool to, like, have the convoluted story up at the top uh, and kind of plan that into your next character. Yeah, well, certainly they left the door open for more malignants. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And no, given... I, uh, uh, so fucking game. Given James Wan's, um, you know, his stuff is generally sequelized if they do well. So maybe that one will get that treatment. I don't know. I guess you could say also It Follows was kind of that. Yeah, like, it and- plays like a slasher, but the actual entity or the the antagonist is not is there's no you know guy in a mask running around sure uh but that one i think would be a little harder to you know make more of right uh i I feel like i feel like it follows told the story and and i don't know we don't we don't really need more of that but Mm -hmm. uh i don't know you know what i mean right I, i i think you know it which I'm not counting because it's based off a book. It's also a remake. Like that's closer to kind of what I want to see the next of, because their version of Pennywise is so iconic at this point. You know, what's Uh, a, you know, what's a movie that could use a remake that it's like, wasn't so great or so, you know, era defining that it would be sacrilegious to remake. hmm. That could be this. Have somebody with a lot of style and good intention remakes Shocker. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that one. The lesser known Wes Craven thing. It was kind of like him trying to do, trying to do um, a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing again. Mm-hmm. It was towards the late eighties, and it was about a a prisoner who gets um, fried on the electric chair, and then after his spirit lives within electronic devices so like he can like you know pop out of tvs and stuff like that okay all right yeah, it's kind of okay. hokey it's not a very good movie but i i could see like somebody taking that premise and running with it well especially like you know we're even more connected to technology now mm-hmm. like uh yeah I, I love it um you know we kind of got that with the the new candy man um but I, I would love to see one that is, yeah, like lesser known or or just brand new. Yeah. All right. Uh, my last one is a little more basic, I suppose. Um, so we've seen, you know, Universal's trying to reboot all of their major characters. Uh, um, yeah. They've been trying for a while, and it's kind of been a uh, stop and start project. But I think... Leaving all with uh, the Invisible Man really kind of figured it out. Yeah. And I really liked that take on it, the kind of like almost sort of Hitchcockian horror film that he made out of that. I would like to see, you know, we've we've had a lot of interpretations of Dracula that are pretty good. Mm -hmm. We've had a decent Invisible Man now. Shape of the Water kind of brought back the uh yeah, that's a little looser but yeah yeah the uh creature from the black lagoon um i want to see a good frankenstein movie 
Okay. I thought you were going to go with werewolves, which was going to be like my plan B. Like, I can't think of any yeah. other ideas. Uh, I think we. But, I think that that one will kind of come on its own, but I, for some reason, whenever people go to do a Frankenstein movie, mm-hmm. um, they always are kind of piggybacking off of the old Universal Frankenstein, you know, Boris Karloff, James Wales Frankenstein stuff, which is great, you know, and super iconic and great for the time, but. One of the you know reasons the- that those movies are so good, the fir- oh, well, the first two anyway, the Frankenstein and and uh, Bride of Frankenstein, because James Whale was trying to make trying to make a scary horror film. Now it's almost it's kind of hard to see it with virgin eyes at this point because that iconography is just so everywhere, and it well, it's kind of burned into our brains is- at a young age. What we need, so Frankenstein never. He's never been the same type of character as like as Dracula, right? Which right. is funny because they're you know they're like the horror Mount Rushmore, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we've never had as many interpretations, and it usually just devolves into zombies instead of Frankenstein. Uh, you know, like anytime we bring back from the dead, it's it's just like a more simplified version. Uh, we we never got like or or Francis it ends up being or, like some superhero kind of thing almost yeah like that's well, yeah there that's, was the one true. the Frankenstein movie with Robert De Niro which was not the best um, there was the one it was with, trying some stuff it was trying but it was it kind of was tonally awkward and I think that was actually the trying to sort of answer to the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula but just sort of failing. And then, of course, there was a, there was a Frankenstein and the terrible Van Helsing movie. Yeah, and there was uh, the 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 weird Daniel Radcliffe one. Yeah, the one that Max Landis did. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that, but I didn't either. Um, I I would like to see like them just like go for it. You know, again, set it in Vict- Victorian times or whatever, and you can have all the same locations, same characters, and all that stuff, but just. With the directive, let's make this scary. Let's make this let's sit, really let's scary. Let's set it in the Wild West. <laughs> I, see, I don't, want, I don't even want to fuck with it that much. I think that the, the source material is good enough. It's just that when people see Frankenstein, they just can't – they can't, like, break away from the, the these kind of dusty traditions. And I mm. think, you know, you can do the setting and all of that, but it doesn't have to be – so stagey it doesn't have to be you know so art directed you could do it in a way that it feels like you're really there in a creaky you know uh castle and and with these villagers and you know really grunge it up grime it up like let's and you know we're dealing with like a dead a man who's composed of dead body parts like let's make that as disgusting as possible yeah I mean, I think it could be actually very scary if people wanted it to be, but just they always kind of aim for a broader audience. And I don't think anyone's really thought of making it a horror film in the same sense. Like they always, they're always going for more of this kind of classical gothic tradition, which is cool. And you could still 
play into that to an extent, but you know, I would like to see a Robert Eggers version of that. Like, what would that look like? Yeah, yeah. You want the A24 Frankenstein. I mean, it doesn't have to be even that austere, <laughs> but, you know, it could be gooey and gross and gory and all the rest of it, too. It doesn't have to be um, an art film, but uh, I would like it to just take itself more seriously. As a character, he's so iconic and so huge, but we don't have that many good Frankensteins overall. It's true. Uh, yeah. And we can, if we get it going, we could do Frankenstein versus the Wolfman and we'd both be happy. <laughs> All right. Let's get into VHS 1994. So VHS 1990, VHS 94. So it's an anthology series. It's a, it's yes. a horror movie made up of smaller, short horror films. I believe and this is the fifth in the series. I, I, I think this is the fourth. I'm seeing five here. Oh, one's a TV series. Oh. Okay, never mind. So, yes, this yeah. is the fourth movie. Uh, have you seen any of the other VHS movies? I've seen the first one. Okay. Um, I haven't seen... So, this is my first introduction to VHS. Yeah. Um, so, the framing device is these this SWAT team is, like, raiding this compound... It's like, they think it's like a cult compound or something that they're raiding for drugs. Um, And there's all these people with like their eyeballs melted out, Mm -hmm. uh, sitting in chairs, watching these tapes. And as they're sort of raiding this warehouse, um, you see what's playing on various screens and and it goes into, you know, the movies that they're watching. Yeah. Yeah. do you want me to like set up each segment or we could kind of take them on one by one, but I think there's actually not that many. I believe the first one had more, but I could be wrong about that. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I felt like the the first one had shorter segments and there were more of them. Um, But the framing device was fairly similar. This idea of like people breaking in and finding these tapes and there's, there's a found footage aspect to it. Yeah, it's like a cursed tape kind of thing going on. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it kind of feels like, you know, if The Ring had less story and you just saw the video that, like, kills you in a week or whatever. Like, it just feels like you're watching this illicit material that you're not supposed to be seeing. Right, that was always sort of the the conceit of, of the series. Which yeah, I think kind of for like a, a, a horror way of, like... I think, you know, it's definitely drawing from, like, the video trade of, like, the, you know, the, was it the 80s? Um, sure, 80s and 90s, like, that that idea of, like, VHS tape trading and mailing each other, you know, crazy shit and, like. Yeah, it's just these ones are, like, like the pre-YouTube so days. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, these ones are just so fucked up and they're so, uh, and, you know, they're also supposed to be real. Yes, and and it's interesting. These are all done by different directors, uh-huh. and that's again a big part of this series. Is um, you know the first one had some fairly big names attached. Uh, the first one, you know, had Ty West and 
Um, didn't have Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard and uh, well, but didn't they kind of become big after this? No, after uh, this? well, they were kind of in various stages of their career. Joe Swanberg did one. Um, so yeah, I mean, they were they were up and coming. I think someone maybe had a couple films out. Some maybe didn't have any yet. Um, this one I'm unfamiliar with. Most of these directors, all of them: Simon Barrett, Stephen. Katansky, Chloe Okono, Jennifer Reeder, Ryan Prowse, and Timo Tahajanto. Yeah, so yeah, I think there were like five segments in total. And I mean, if you the count the framing any, device, huh? If you count the framing device, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the thing with any anthology series is, you know, some are going to be better than others. Mm-hmm. You're going to like some more than others. They're kind of you know, mixed, mixed results. Yeah. Uh, I think an interesting aspect of these, of the concept of VHS is just because of the way it's set up, uh, it, it tends to lend itself more to like found footage. Right. Um, or, you know, cause you're supposedly seeing this videotape that actually happened. So, some of the movies, I think, are a little bit clunkier in the way they're like, get around that, mm-hmm. you know, in the way they kind of get around that aspect of it um, to tell the full story. Yeah. And, and I mean, one of the segments is in another language. Um, and it follows, uh, I think, kind you know, kind of a tradition, horror traditions that might not necessarily be as... Um, uh, Western of an aesthetic, right? Yeah, let's uh, let's kind of open broadly. Wh- which segment do you think stood out? Oh, my absolute favorite was the first one, um, with a bullet, uh, the Rat Man. Yeah, I yeah, loved same it. here. I, I, I thought that. One... Here's the thing: I think they used the conceit very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they it's you know it's set up like this news report that goes wrong and that you get to see like all of the footage, you know, that was recorded. Right. And I think it captured kind of, you know, this is VHS 94. Mm-hmm. I think it captured the, the 94 aspect in a way that some of the others just didn't give a fuck about. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, it did some really fun stuff. Uh, uh, like it, it, Played a lot of, you know, of my favorite things with horror, which is like kind of the satirical element. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I think it was really trying to look as much like a 90s news report as possible. And for the most part, was pretty successful. Yeah, there was um, a little bit of, like, it was especially when it shows like the people in studio cut, um, you yeah. know, cutting to the uh the off screen or the off studio footage and that kind of stuff like there was a little bit of like robocop ish vibe in that um yeah so like the satire was a little a little bit more prominent than in other mm. segments but i thought that it um yeah i just i thought it was probably well the best directed as far as mm. when to show you someone something when to not show you something how to keep tension up um, not overwriting the story for the the amount of time you have to tell it. Um, totally. Yeah, it was just it's this 
gross and dirty little creature feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fucking monster at the end pays off. Holy shit, that is so fucking gross. Yeah, it, and- it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, and actually, one of the things that I was going to suggest for the last segment, but then um, I watched this and I was like, well, I feel like we're good now, or at least we're getting there, <laughs> is more horror movies based on cryptids. Okay. I I actually uh, had a similar similar thought, like, mm-hmm. uh, or, or just like, you know, American folklore. Like, yeah. there's so many weird American urban legends and American monsters and stuff that, that, yeah, I liked that this played into that in a really fun way. Yeah. And it Um, still keeps within the assignment and it plays mm -hmm. into the, the framing device as much as it needs to, but it's also successful on its own. Yeah. So that one, Uh, yeah, for, it started very strong. It started very strong. Uh, I guess I'll just ask, which one was your least favorite? Uh, probably the Korean. Is it monster. Korean? Are we getting that uh, correct? I, I want to be sure before we're saying that. Um, but I thought it might be Japanese. Oh, Indonesian. Uh, the director's Indonesian, anyway. Okay. Uh, apparently, he directed one for VHS two as well. Okay. And he also uh, was involved with the ABCs of Death. Yeah, so, that one had a, uh, a ton of segments in it. Timo Tajahanto. He's he's done some some stuff. He's done some stuff. Um, he's been around. Um yeah, I kind of agree. I that one was uh, uh the Asian segment Indonesian director. That one was probably my least favorite as well. It's well, c- kind of long. Yeah, for it, what it, it every time I thought it was ending, they would go on for another 5 or 10 minutes. Exactly, and it kind of just goes off the rails in, in, in some of it's fun, um, but it also, yeah, I, I think it just wears out its welcome, and it's also one of the ones that you can kind of see the seams the most, mm-hmm. like, you can tell the CGI stuff. Yeah, um, I think stylistically, it is very different from the others, and not just because... It's, you know, made in another language with, you know, it with a different kind of um, cultural perspective, but just like it looks digital. Everything else, you know, is probably maybe shot digital and then effect put through some sort of filters or effects or whatever to make it look like VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Um, or perhaps it was shot on VHS tape. I don't know. But this one, you could definitely tell this. These are new cameras. This is new technology. The lighting is on point. The you know the the costumes look kind of kind of slick. A lot. Um, a lot of digital blood splatter. A lot of yeah uh, uh, yeah. I I agree. It just kind of video gamey. Oh, complete. Yes, it definitely enters a segment that is like basically a first person shooter. Like yeah. it kind of felt like that. Like in maybe that was kind of the point maybe that's maybe. how it was trying to play into the sort of 90s thing is cuz you know stuff like doom was huge and 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 i did kind of get those vibes um so y- you maybe if i look at it from that lens i'm a little more forgiving but i kind of just got bored with it yeah same here i was waiting cuz it starts out it's like it's, it's like a mad scientist kind of story basically mm. about a guy who wants to turn people into you know cyborgs he wants to, yeah he wants to 
meld man and machine together. He yeah. wants to build RoboCop, like yeah, or you know, just put the human brains in inside of weird gadgetry. Um, and there's kind of a grotesqueness to that, and it it's it's pretty grimy at first, but then yeah, as the segment keep, kind of rolls on, and it just kind of devolves into what feels like a horror survival game yeah, for like kind of a while and and not in a fun way. And honestly, I, and also I think the concept of just like waking up in this mad scientist, turning you into a monster is scary enough. Yeah. Like that, that was enough, but it just kind of keeps going after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought like there was, there was, places where it's like oh this is going to be the end and then it, it just kept going I was like oh, I guess not um it's definitely one of the goriest of the bunch it is oh yeah it is there's a lot of violence yeah. in it uh but that didn't necessarily like and then, I know it's referring that's what I thought it might be Japanese is that I know there's a film this like black and white film is made maybe the 70s or 80s uh uh, J horror film about like a man who has like a like a mechanical virus that makes different parts of his body oh. turn mechanical. Yeah, and at I some point his about. dick becomes a drill. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I can't yeah. remember the name. It seemed like it was pretty clearly, at least visually, referencing that. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that one. Um, it was just, I think, wore out its welcome. It was, I think, it would have been all right had it just been shorter and and yeah, yeah. And, and I think more. even in a vacuum, like if you were just to see that short in like a, you know, a short film uh, festival or something, you'd be like, eh, okay, it's cool, I guess, whatever. But yeah. in this, it's like kind of feels like okay, let's we're still doing this one. Yeah, and I. Exactly. I, I feel like it also just kind of takes up a lot of the movie's runtime. It does. It feels like half the movie. Now, it might and, just be because I was not thrilled with it, but um, yeah. other ones didn't. It felt much more naturally paced. Yeah. It also just I got a little like desensitized to it too. It was yeah. It was so kind of extreme in its gore and and like character design and stuff. I just that wish I that there had been more of a like twist to it or something. Like it's it's very straightforward. Like there's it just kind of is what yeah. it is. Whereas a you know generally the short films are sort of set up like a like a joke. There's sort of a setup and a punchline. Um, well, yeah, and I this didn't really no, have that. It didn't there was no build to anything. It just kind I of kept that- going till it stopped. Exactly. I think that kind of goes back to like the tradition of like the Twilight Zone right. and stuff where it's like we're expecting this kind of uh yeah, like twist or 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 payoff. I I think there's also just something about short storytelling too that like lends itself to that. Lends itself to some kind of like cap. Yeah. Know, some kind of like oh, okay. Right. Uh, also this one I didn't understand Again, maybe I'm clinging to the 94 a little too much, um, but I didn't get really 90s vibes from it. No, that's what I was uh, saying. Like the red, the others, like they definitely were really, really putting a ton of effects and filters through the video yeah. to make, you know, like, so you had tracking and stuff like that throughout well, it. And they, they just play into 
I think the time period a little bit more, like, you know, yeah. just like the technology in some of them and just like the, just the look of it. Um, right. Uh, but, you know, we weren't in. And even like the battery, because, you know, you see it through mm-hmm. the the eyes of this this person who was kidnapped, who is now half computer or whatever. Um, and you see their little like battery camera recorder or whatever in the corner and the symbol for battery looks very modern like more like the more like what you would see on an iphone than you would see in like an old uh handheld videotape recorder yeah definitely looked like you said just way more digital yeah um okay let's we can uh, move on let's talk about some of the other segments yeah i really liked the second segment as well that i thought you know as far as the series go i thought the first two were the strongest the second one about the the girl who stays at the morgue um why, or it's uh, it's actually a funeral home. They're having a wake and that nobody yeah. shows up for, and this is her first time being alone there. It's just a cool little like campfire tale type of story. Yeah, and again, I think it plays into its convention well. It, it yeah, I think it almost kind of like reads like a like a scary stories to tell in the dark kind of story. Totally, I got those vibes too, and I I liked. This one to me was like, uh, what was it we said during the Jungle Cruise episode? Uh, just vibes. Yes. No vibes. Empty head, just vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of felt that way about this one. Um, I think it might have also been like a touch too long. Um, Maybe. It, it also takes a little while to sort of pay off. There's a lot of, uh, it does feel like there's just a little bit of filler in this one. Um, but the concept is good enough and simple enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, when we're talking about these kind of short things, uh, these, sh- you know, short films, uh, it doesn't bite off more than it can chew. And I respect that. Yeah. And I think it's effectively scary. Like, I yeah. I think, like, of all of them, this is probably the most viscerally scary. Yeah. And the way... The way it's shot, how it's kind of found footage mm-hmm. um, you are definitely put in the character's shoes a lot more than uh, than I think even some of the other ones here is like you definitely get that those that feeling of you know everybody's been somewhere late at night that they don't want to be that like creeps them out mm-hmm. or whatever you know. Uh, and it captures that feeling really well. Yeah, the, your, everything in your body, your fight or flight is going off, but you, for whatever reason, you can't leave. Yeah, and or, or yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm just being silly or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, I've worked graveyard shifts and I, I felt like this. You get and, creeped out. Yeah, yeah, and you, your brain like psychs yourself out or like anytime you're at school at, you know when you were at school after dark or whatever and ev- nobody else is mm-hmm. there that's what i meant by campfire like it feels the story is very archetypal yeah yeah um uh no this one i liked a lot uh i think uh i think you're right it's like, gruesome too like damn yeah it it does uh it does zombie like really well it does this like um in a way that doesn't have it devolve into like post-apocalyptic horror, uh, you know, because right. not all zombies have to be the end of the world, and and I appreciated like a more intimate 
scenario. Kind of. Uh, yeah. 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 It, it, I think it's just a nice little, a nice little film. I, I think it, and it, it, again, plays into the, the assignment mm-hmm. really well. Um, I also, yeah, I also think, um, again, uh, I'm going to give it points for having very 90s vibes and uh, for also having like a, a very specific mythology behind what happens that mm-hmm. they never have to totally explain. And I loved that. Yes. Um, the last segment, that's not the framing device. Was that, were there only four? It really was. Yeah. There was only four and the framing device. And the, the fourth one is the guys of the compound, the like militia group, mm-hmm. um, who have kidnapped a vampire and uh-huh. they're, you want to weaponize his blood and, yeah, and create yeah. bunny bombs, which sounds ridiculous and it is, but it actually, it plays. They play it pretty straight. Yeah. So this one I did like, but this one, unlike the, the wake, yeah. uh, that we just talked about. I feel like this one does bite off a little more than it can chew. Yeah, I feel little. like there is there is a complexity to the story that we never like we never get quite clued in on everything that's going on. Um, yeah, they they play it pretty close to the chest, so like you don't even know it's a vampire explicitly. I actually until- am kind of cool with that. I I, I think that they. Well, I like the way that the reveals of of what it is kind of uh, reveal themselves as you're watching. I actually think I, I agree. I just because <sighs> if it, if I think this one of all of them feels the most authentically found footage, because yeah. if you were if they were videotaping all this for posterity, oh, they yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah. be you, explaining it to you like like uh, exposition. You would just have to gather it from context clues. So I I didn't have a problem with that. It's but because of that uh near the end I think it does start to get a little muddier. Yeah. Um so I think that is both the strength of this piece and also its weakness. But overall, again, I liked the feel of this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um it, this one also felt very authentic to the time. You know, this felt like a bunch of assholes who saw Ruby Ridge and Waco and were like, no, fuck that. We're going to do it better. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it, it felt like, you know, the, these alt-right fucking Christian assholes before it was, you know, called alt-right. Right. Uh, like that all felt very authentic to the time. Um, I thought some of that stuff was a little on the nose. I felt like the person, the director or the writer, whoever was making pretty like straightforward allusions to, to things like Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and stuff like that, that exists today. And some of like some of the dialogue at the very beginning, I thought it was like a a tad on the nose. And I thought it was maybe, I mean, those, those kind of militias have existed forever, but, Mm. um, but some of the, I was like, okay, I understand you got, you're on, you got a thing to say. Uh, yeah, but I I didn't mind that either. I don't know. It, to me, it, it, I, it I, doesn't I, stay in that forever. Like eventually, the story takes over, and it, and the characters feel more natural in it. But you could, I felt like he was really establishing like 
social messaging, you know, at, at the very front sure, of it. Sure. Um, and it, it again, came I off a little, I don't want to say straw man because it's probably not that far off. Uh, but, but it was, it, it was a little, it felt a little on the nose when it uh, first started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. But again, I, I didn't, I don't necessarily mind that. I think horror can do that a little more than some genres. So. Yeah, and and again, it's a short story, so you have to establish things quickly. Um, yeah, I I also think I did kind of have a complaint about like I think this movie or this film is set up really well. Like I think you know, like the the conceit is interesting it's it's mm. a, like a oh cool what a weird concept like them weaponizing vampire blood to become the unabomber right uh, fucking cool uh so that's the setup once we actually trigger into the plot mm-hmm. that starts to get a little more convoluted to me um you know like okay we have to have a a way for this vampire to kind of escape that i i don't know you do you know what I mean? Like, it started to feel a little like... I, I didn't actually think that that... I thought it played out just fine. I mean, the I, you know, they get drunk and things go out of control. I just... I, 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 my I biggest issue with it was probably the middle section of it, where it just not... It's just... It kind of meanders a bit before it gets back into the meat um, of the story. And then also, I think on a visual level... Um, this one is the grainiest and and has the most effects on it to place it in a period. Uh, and it it's visually a little hard. Like I know some people mm-hmm. um, have a hard time with found footage because of this very reason. Like it kind of like hurts, starts to give you a headache after a while. And I yeah. usually don't have that problem. I'm pretty used to it by now. But I thought this one, I was starting to feel that. And, and of course, I, it's also the I last mean, segment, so I'm yeah. I, my I eyes are already a little tired after after the Frankenstein robot one. Like I was starting mm-hmm. to get a little like, okay, you know, yeah. Uh, I I also wasn't huge into the framing device. No, I um, I actually I wish that this series. Well, I can't speak for part two through three, but I wish that they would abandon that. I just I think it's fine. To just show these films as is, or at the very least, make it as make it as minimal as possible. Yeah, you don't need to cut, also, keep cutting to it between every single segment. And it also felt very convoluted. It was like, what? Okay. Well, and- I was, I honestly, I wasn't that concerned with it. I was just like, okay, you're doing this because you have to. Um, yeah, exactly. But but then it also like demands you pay attention to it because it's right. Like, characters die and i'm like i didn't even know who was who because you're just like names were yelled out over a walkie-talkie yeah. and, and maybe if i had like, been you know maybe if we'd been watching the whole series up to this point there's like a grander you know mythology that's taking place within these framing devices that i that pays this off also, for other people but for me i just was like let's just get to the mo- to the shorts well, and the, like the character was like connected to the last short, you know, short film or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it, yeah. This also, this one also was kind of the most assaulting on the senses. 
Uh, yeah. Like, you know, the characters are the most base. It's like literally just a bunch of cops running through a thing yelling like, what the fuck? We're going to get these motherfuckers. Oh, fucking, fucking, yeah. fuck. And I'm like, okay. Like, and we're seeing everything through body cam. Yeah, yeah. And it just felt very like forced to me. I was like, I honestly, it almost lost me at the get. This is kind of like Upright Citizens Brigade, but without any of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I I was not into the framing device at all. Uh, once uh, the first you know short happened, I was like, okay, good. Yeah, these are the you know I this is better than than that. Uh, but I wasn't super into. Yeah, it. whenever it cuts to frame to the framing device, I was always kind of just like, all right, like, let's get through this so we can get yeah. to the next one. Um, exactly. But like I said, I haven't been following the series. Maybe. Maybe there's a bigger story they're telling in between these think, shorts, but... Well, I think it could have been more fun, too. And maybe the first one is a little more like this, but it could have been more fun, I think, if it was just simple. If it was just, like, some kids or whatever, teenagers, what college kids or whatever, like, oh, yeah, my, you know, brother has this fucking extreme movie that... Or whatever, you know what right, I mean? Right. Like, I, I think the whole cop thing and cult thing it was just too much for me it was like what is even going on yeah i i want to say it's been a very long time since i've seen the first one but i want to say that 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 is there is a kind of connective mythology with this with this like cult thing um there was something similar to that in the first one but i didn't I don't remember it bothering me as much the first time or maybe i just kind of don't remember it because i didn't care to remember it or or maybe it's because it's the first one. I don't know. I yeah. I think the idea is fun of this series. I I love that there's a you know a horror anthology series that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know there's like the new creep show TV show on Shutter and stuff. But I just I like that format, and I think it's a great place for like up and coming horror directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just. Yeah, I wasn't super into the framing device. I think something like Creep Show, where it's like, ooh, this is horror comic, and, and it, it's a little more tongue in cheek and just has a little more fun with the concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Tales from the Crypt, you know, the Crypt Keeper is this, you know, uh, like lecherous little dude that, <laughs> you know what I mean, is like cracking wise all the time. Yeah. Like that's. I think the, more the tone fun. of those are pretty different though i mean i think the vhs series well, yeah, this one's going more for like oh horror with a capital h but right and it's also going for like the whole conceit of th- we found these videos you know I, like that's just, the whole I thing i think you can do that in a with the framing device i felt like the policemen were watching these videos not that i was watching these videos do you know what i mean right yeah i mean it, they just shows them it just shows them uh, patrolling this area, and then there's all these uh, stacked TVs of static, and then yeah, you just kind sure, of dissolve into one of them, and then it goes into the short. I think it would be even better, like you said, we don't even, for the conceit that VHS is going for, that it's like yeah. these illicit videos or whatever, just show the videos. Just show yeah. the short films, because then that puts you literally into this, the eyes of the viewer. Mm-hmm. In, in this, I felt separated from that. So, in that sense, the, the framing device was not 
successful. Agreed. Yeah, I would say overall, I give this, uh, like, it's kind of weird to grade it because it's like a bunch of movies. But mm. um, I, I guess I give the experience a B minus a B- because I didn't really care for the longer Asian short and I didn't care for the framing device. But everything else I, I enjoyed uh, uh, pretty well. And I think it's still a pretty fun watch. And I just, I just, I'm a sucker for anthology horror. I, I think I feel exactly the same as you on this. I, it's, it is kind of weird to grade. Uh, there were same thing. Didn't care for the same parts as you. Overall, it was fine. Um, those two particular scene like segments, yeah, made me feel like a little dirty. A little dirtier, and I, I'm, I know it's kind of going for that, but uh, I liked the other segments a lot more, and I think that there was just a simplicity in the storytelling that worked a lot better, and they were creepier and just just better done. So, um, yeah, I'll give I'll give it the same thing a B minus. Cool. All right, uh, let's go ahead then and talk about your streaming homework. <laughs> Uh, Behind the Mask, the story of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, which I did not realize was also going to be found footage and... uh, Sort of. And and also is like, I don't know, it has similar vibes. So um, if you watched these in like together, I could see them kind of bleeding together. A little bit. I mean, this plays a little faster and looser with the found footage conceit, but... Um, this came out in 2006, uh, and the uh, story is Angela Gothals, uh plays Taylor Gentry. She's a news reporter who's doing a story about a slasher killer named Leslie Vernon, and she wants to do it as an expose. So she's getting first-person interviews with him and following him on his preparations for his next big killing spree. And him and the camera crew, or her and the camera crew, rather, are kind of getting the ins and outs of the trade. So this is very satirical. This is very uh, horror comedy to a certain extent. Mm. And, you know, this exists in a universe where... Freddie and Jason and Chucky and all these and Michael Myers and all these people actually exist. It's seen as like a a job that you do. Yeah. Uh, it's a trade. Yeah. It it, it it's a, there's a craft in being a good slasher. And you know, obviously, in real life, if you if you knew that somebody was going to hack up a bunch of teenagers, you'd be sending them to the police. But that is not what's happening here. Although, as the story progresses, um, the Taylor character uh, does become more and more conflicted about her objective reporting in it. Um, the killer in question, Leslie, is played by Nathan uh, Beasel. Um, and we also get uh, Robert England in here as, as a man who is obsessed with catching and uh, defeating our yeah, our. Basically playing a Dr. Loomis type. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Um, And uh, Zeldon Rubenstein uh, from Poltergeist plays a librarian. And yeah, it, you know, it just, it's, I think the way I would describe it is 
it's somewhere in between the creep movies mm-hmm. and what we do in the shadows. <laughs> I that's actually I think a really great uh yeah, description of it. Like um, it kind there's a sliding scale of how funny it wants to be and how serious it wants to take it and how satirical it is and how meta textual it is and all of those sliding bars on the on this board are constantly moving from scene to scene. Yeah, and sometimes I think that leads to a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times I think it 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 kind of um yeah, I like I I think this movie pulls off the comedy pretty well. Large part, you know, the the two main actors are pretty good, but uh the guy who plays Leslie Vernon, he's a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, he's totally committed. Um, yeah. But my issue with this movie mm-hmm. is, you know, near the end when it wants to be it, when it wants to kind of turn into a real horror movie, you know, air quotes, a real horror movie, a real slasher. Right. Um, it's been so tongue in cheek up to this point that, you know, I can't really take it that seriously. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe it could have used a little, I think like, again, I think your comparison is great. I think it, uh, could have maybe used a little bit more creep, Mm -hmm. um, a, a little, just a little bit more of that, like. Uh, are we in danger this entire time kind of tension mm-hmm. um, uh, to cut up with the comedy. Um, and, and I think, you know, the ending might have played a little bit better for me. Well, there's kind of a stylistic thing going on here, which is sort of interesting, but I think could have been played into a little more consistently mm-hmm. um, where we'll see everything from this kind of cam, like found footage camera perspective, the news reporter you know, being followed by the, her her camera team, this kind of mockumentary style. Um, and then every once in a while, the movie will go, um, you know, third person omniscient and it'll play like an actual movie when, and everything will look differently. There'll be background music and it'll be lit different and mm-hmm. it'll play like the movie within the movie. And we only get like a few touches of that in the first two thirds, and then it 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 dives head first into that for the final third of the movie. Yeah, the whole like third act basically is yeah because abandons kind of the the right news segment footage. And I think that if there had been more omniscient stuff earlier earlier on to kind of mm-hmm. prepare us for that stylistic shift. I mean, like I said, they sprinkle it in there, but it's it's pretty few and far between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that if if we had been able to kind of see the movie play out, the movie within the movie kind of play out a little bit more by the time we get to that final third, it wouldn't feel quite as jarring once it does that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I, you're right. I kind of enjoyed the final act of the movie. I thought that it. It made sense for where the story was going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, they kind of, I, I mean, just, they telegraph it. I mean, literally. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, here, here's my issue with it, I think, overall. I, I enjoyed it enough. I, I think it's a fun, quirky indie horror. Um, it's vaguely funny, although I don't think always as funny as it thinks it is. Yeah. My issue with it is 
And, you know, this was 2000, what, what did we say, six? Yeah. Okay, so I cut it a little bit of slack because maybe, like, the meta slasher thing wasn't quite burnt out by this point. Ah, but I feel like it kind of was. Like, I feel like we've had a whole Scream franchise up to this point. Um, yeah, but we had... Yes, I... that yeah. The mockumentary yeah, right. style was wasn't as played out at this time. You know, I mean, I mean, at that point, 2006, The Office as a show had just started. Um, sure. So, at- well, also, but you know what? I'm I'm not going to judge it on terms of like, is it doing anything totally original or whatever? I- no, no, no. And and I, that's why I'm that's why I'm saying I'm cutting a little bit of slack because it's it they didn't this didn't get released this year. You know, so it was a little it was. You know, 15 years ago when this movie came out. So mm-hmm. I am I am taking that into account. But I'm also saying, like, some of the observations here, some of this, like, the, this idea of, like, you know, the virgin never dies and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, like, it's, I'm like, yeah, it's we get nice. it. I Kevin Williamson, he wrote the Scream sequels. Like, you know, I, I we've, we've kind of been in this territory even like uh, uh west craven's new nightmare which was extremely meta um you know going up to uh you know the uh, uh the funny games um yeah and, so, and, and so some of the we some of the tropes they're playing on are definitely it is mind it's you know pretty mind and it's, yeah it's a little base as well like some of the you know like some of it is a little simplistic you know as far as analysis you know i I think scream does a better job of like playing out those cliches right something i thought was interesting um and they don't i wanted them to play into it a little bit more but something that i did think was interesting was how they did directly tie the killer's relationship to these victims and to mm-hmm. like to uh uh the you know the killer um, to the final girl yeah and yeah. to uh and to like the ahab and stuff like yeah th- this is sort of like a, a venture brothers take on a slasher movie yeah um, I, I mean i think there's enough clever analysis in that and then later when he's doing the walkthrough of the house and he's saying like, you know, we don't, we don't go into the closet because it is a sacred place and, you know, and it represents the womb and all of that. That's when I thought it was like, okay, you're thinking outside the box now. This is funny again. Yeah. They, they, I, I, I see what I do agree with you. And, 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 and and I think Robert England is, uh, a little underutilized here, but I th- when he's in it, he's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love the scene, everything about it. I love the scene where they go to interview the final girl before the kill happens, which they're not supposed mm-hmm. to do. They had strictly been asked not to do that. Um, so they're trying to hide the camera. They're trying to be inconspicuous, and they're really bad at it. And Robert England is there, like, uh, watching this, this victim before everything happens. And he just steps up. And he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Yeah. And like totally clocks him immediately. And the girl is already a paranoid wreck. And yeah, well, that's, I, I thought that's that kind I mean. of stuff was 
very funny, very, that was the stuff that kind of reminded me more of like, um, what we do in the shadows kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I also think, uh, uh, the fact that like Leslie had this like mentor character, I thought was a lot of fun. Right. A a classic killer who had married his final girl. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what I mean. Like it kind of plays out like. Are these serial killers just like looking for the one that survives to marry? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I uh, mean, well, I mean, the whole movie is constantly driving home this idea that it's a sexual metaphor. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, and it's, it's all these power dynamics are all playing out in this like extreme, like gendered way. So again, and I think those kind of analysis are, um, you could definitely tell the, the writer, uh, had read uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which was a, a book that uh, pretty much everybody in my grad school class read. And, yeah. And, and those kind of ideas are kind of like played out in uh, in, in a satirical way. And I think in a, in a way that's pretty funny. But there are some, there are some I, and maybe it's just kind of like starting broad and then going more specific that for me, I'm like the broad stuff. I'm like, okay, let's get, Let's get into something a little bit outside the box, and that, it, I, it eventually does. Yeah, I I don't know. That didn't really bother me because I can see how you know viewing it with, especially with twenty twenty one eyes, where everything is kind of meta. Right, meta is done to death now. Yeah, no, no genre is has not been explored right. in that aspect. And we talked about uh, this last week when when me and the guest discussed Fear Street nineteen ninety four, which is heavily referencing 90s horror films. Um, sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, the guest she mentioned herself, um, you know, at, at what point do we go full circle back to the sincere horror film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, I I think this one, you know, it came out long enough ago that yeah. I'm, I'm giving it a little bit more of a pass. Yeah, you have to think about it in the context of its... Of its time and and I th- yeah I, and overall I thought it was you know it was pretty entertaining like I I had a good time with it I wasn't like blown away mm-hmm. by it um like the way I've heard some people talk about it and stuff uh you'd think it was on par with like a scream or a cabin in the woods or something mm-hmm. um and, and I don't think it's quite there uh uh but I do think it has a lot of fun ideas um. And overall, I think it's a pretty enjoyable experience, especially if you are a fan of horror. Yeah, totally. And I think that the performances are good enough and playing it straight that it... Yeah, I loved the the guy who played Leslie. I was like, oh, he's a lot of fun. Like, he just really leans into it. Yeah, and and he plays him as like this total nice guy and... Kind of a goofball. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the Michael Scott of of slashers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all the stuff about the, you know, the Ahab and all that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in here that was that was funny. Um, overall, I, I enjoyed it. And I think it's, it's worth seeing. But it, it, at this point, it, it feels maybe a little marginal in the grand scheme yeah. of things of this type of this type of thing. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I don't know. 
or has been around forever. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're bored on a whatever day night and you want to see something that's not, you want to see something kind of spook, spooky, but not necessarily super gory or crazy. Um, this is this is totally watchable. Yeah. All right. So next week, when we get back into things, we are going to check out the 2008 film Eden Lake which is a horror thriller that uh, starred Michael Fassbender before he um, was in every movie a couple years after that. Um, So I've I've heard good things. I'm excited to see it. Uh, And if anybody has anything to say about any of the things we talked about in this episode, you can email us at mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can find our social media on Twitter and Instagram at mcguffinpod. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook if you're still there for some reason. Facebook.com slash MacGuffinPod. Um, be sure to uh, leave a five-star rating and a one-sentence review uh, over at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, um, Player.fm, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whichever is your favorite uh, podcast app. And you can read my reviews that I do at the Idaho State Journal by Googling Idaho State Journal movie reviews, and that'll take you directly to that page, and you can check out the archives there. Uh, Be sure to go over to the MacGuffin's homepage, MacGuff.in, and read all of the uh, reviews by the rest of the MacGuffin staff. Uh, yeah, and you can rap me on Instagram at Keith Foster Kid, and you can follow me on Ratma at Keith Foster Kid. Uh, you can also check out my uh, art account on Ratma at Sticky Note Aesthetic. People are going to think that's an actual app because there's a new one every five seconds. What are you talking about? And that'll be it for the podcast. All hail Ratma. Bye.